You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode 208. That is our four-year anniversary for the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. And boy, do I have a treat for you tonight. But first, we are brought to you today by GameMat.eu for pre-painted resin terrain, STL files, and neoprene gaming mats. Uh, I mean, Event 10 is 10% off that order, so go jump on that. And also Panhandle 3D for 3D printed uh, terrain and all sorts of stuff. So you can get uh, 10% off at Podcast 10 for that. And um, uh, I really like their stuff. I'm actually eagerly awaiting my order from Panhandle 3D for Shorehammer this year. Very excited. And uh, we also have beautiful, sexy, good smelling Patreon patrons. And And I love you all. I will rub your feet next time I see you. And for five extra dollars, I might even lick a toe. Who knows? I don't know. I don't make promises. But um, it's just a suggestion. Wink. So... What are we talking about today? Well, we only have one colossal segment. It's a 40-minute segment about the cringiest wargamer I've ever met in my entire life. And I knew this person for a long time, many, many years. And, oh my god, it ranges from very odd behavior to downright crazy. So, I wanted to share that with you. I don't at all intend for it to sound like petty or vindictive or I'm calling this person out. I never even use their name. Um, I don't want you to harass them or know who they are or whatever. It's it's totally no hard feelings with this person. But their stories are too juicy for me not to share. And I've been holding off on this for a while. I figure my four-year anniversary, I can throw it out there. And maybe we'll get a, I don't know, a community diagnosis of what exactly is wrong with this person. But please don't take it as mean-spirited, because I really don't mean it that way. I just can't believe a real human being would ever act this way, (laughs) okay? Anyway, what have I been up to? Well, I have been up to... uh, I've got the bug. I feel like I'm back in the groove, guys. I'm really excited. I'm playing Warhammer again. I'm loving it. And I'm playing... I mean, I'm, I'm hobbying again for the first time in a while. So I just built some fiend... Blood, Beast of Gores, whatever they're called, for Hedonites of Slanesh. And I also uh, finished my 10 Bliss Barb Archers, painted them all up. And my Lady Holding the Mirror, I finished her. And um, now I'm assembling some of the Hellstriders, I think they're called. I'm doing the ones with the flails. So I assembled five of those, and I primed them. I gotta paint them. And then I'm almost done assembling the three Fiend Bloods. And then I will also prime them and paint them. So it's nice to finally feel like you want to hobby again and all that. So I'm I'm very, you know what, compared to a couple weeks ago, in hobby-wise, I'm in a really good place. I'm really feeling it, and I'm happy to be back in the groove. This week at the club, uh, one of our friends is going back to college, so this was his last week, and we had not yet played each other the entire summer when he was off. So I decided, you know what? He is just getting back into ninth edi- or back into Warhammer, and he's learning ninth edition. And he has gotten super, super competitive. I mean, like he wants to play Nephilim, he wants to do all the secondaries, he wants to do this, he wants to netlist, he wants to try this and that. This is so powerful, blah blah blah. If I do this combo and this combo and this combo, then I can do this. And oh my god, dude, I don't, I don't have time for any of that. So I was like, you know what? Why don't we play a narrative game? 
because I have no patience to read all the Nephilim nonsense and I'm just too busy at work. If I had more free time, then I'd actually be up for it, but right now, I don't have time. So we decided to do a narrative game in the vein that me and James have been doing, where you make four or five hundred point lists and the each one of you negate one of them. So he played his Black Legion, he wanted to test those rules out, and I played my Necrons because I'm so f- I'm most familiar with them right now. And he was still pretty competitive during the narrative game. I think he kind of missed the point a little bit of detaching yourself from your army and kind of seeing how the story unfolds versus it being a me against you sort of thing. And um, But anyway, we ended up, we decided that um, this was during the time when Abaddon was doing like the Black Crusade and he's trying to get one of these Necron pylons. And the pylon's underground, it's under this bunker. So there's a door on either end of the bunker. So, for him to win, he's got to control both doors of the bunker at the end of the game. And for me to win, I have to control both bunkers. And objective secured, none of that actually matters. And he insisted on doing, um, we didn't do secondaries or anything like that. We didn't even do points. But he did insist on doing stratagems, which I'm like, sure, whatever. Um, so, we also, to spice things up, we said, you know what? Let's, uh, we found out, the Necrons found out, that you were going for the pylons. So we scramble to go protect the pylons, and meanwhile you're scrambling to get the pylons. So why don't we each have a deployment zone of only, like on my side of the board, I have one foot by one foot square on my left and one foot by one foot square on my right. And that's all I can deploy. And you do the same thing. That that made a big difference because we had to decide which task force which was ultimately on the left and which was on the right. It was It was pretty cool. I could see the um, the different strategy and all that we had to do in order to think, okay, well, that's got him in that corner, so I should put a counter to him in my corner, etc. Um, we ended up pretty, I was going pretty strong. Um, I was rolling pretty well, and um, I was rolling above average, and I thought I would actually get him. I actually thought I'd, I'd beat him in this game. But in the very last turn, we had um, basically, you know, I had a left force and a right force. My left force had annihilated his half that was across from them. And his left force had annihilated my right force that was across from his left force, right? So, in other words, my right force was destroyed and my left force had destroyed his and vice versa. So we each had basically our left forces remaining to go after the main bunker. And if it weren't for one round of combat, I think I might have actually won. I had Abaddon down to three wounds, and he can only take three per phase. And uh, he had some raptors, and he had um, Huracan or whatever, the guy with the spear, the jump pack lord is. And then he also had a master of possession. I'm sorry, my children are being loud. And I sent my eight or nine Lich Guard that I had left over. I sent them over there. My Flayed Ones were already capturing the other door, and this was the last turn. So, um, actually it was the second to last turn. And my Lich Guard ran over there and killed all of his Raptors, which was awesome. But his Master of Possession did something to deal me mortal wounds. He ended up doing four mortal wounds. It killed two Lich Guard, and I can't regenerate that. And then he killed two more Lich Guard in close combat. And I did not reanimate any of that. So I lost four Lich Guard. Well, he's got a thing where he makes me minus one leadership, I think. And, uh, yeah, he, he makes me minus one leadership, which makes me leadership nine. 
and I had already lost four people. So the roll of a six is going to fail. But he had something else that I think he made me re-roll passes or something like that. So anyway, I did roll a six, and I had four people left in the unit. I failed that, and I had no CP to, to auto-pass or whatever. So I failed that on a six, go figure, and I lost a dude. And then he makes me, what was it? I was already half strength, so my attrition was one and twos, but he either makes me re-roll past ones or something of that nature. Anyway, he made it worse. So they ended up wiping out the whole eight-man squad of Lich Guard, basically using morale, essentially. They, they made me, they used our morale of Necrons against us, and that whole Lich Guard was gone. So they did kill like the six Raptors or whatever, but then they were murdered. He had a Master of Possession, Huracan, and Abaddon left. Well, his Master of Possession healed Abaddon, which means that he was at four hit points, and my Destroyers could no longer kill him in the next turn, because I could only do three uh, phase. I had no Psychic, and honestly, the chances of me, being that he ignores, you know, he's got the Armor of Contempt or whatever, uh, reducing all my AP really hurt. So, uh, ultimately, Abaddon, the Master of Possession, everybody charges my Flayed Ones, murdered, Abaddon single-handedly killed all my Flayed Ones, and, um, and then my Destroyers had nothing else they can do. So, once again, uh, I had my full squad of Destroyers left, but there's no way they're charging Abaddon, and it was basically a game called, because he had both objectives. Now, you see, once again, we didn't need victory points for that. It was clear who actually won. And it was a bit of an upset. He was getting a little angry in the beginning because I was I was doing pretty well. And um, I messed up some of his plans because he made some deployment errors. And um, it was a very, very close game. Very good game. Um, I had hoped he would be a little slightly less competitive and just have like a fun game. But um, I just don't think he really understood what a narrative, like a fun narrative game is. Um, but all in all, I mean, he's a great guy. I'm not bashing on him. It's just a different mindset. And what he's been doing is playing all of our hyper-competitive players. We've only got one or two in the group, but that's all he's been playing is the hyper-competitive people. So he's really into that. My secondaries, my this, that, you know, he's really into that right now. And um, anyway, so we did ultimately have fun. And, um, you know, I won't be seeing him probably until in between semesters. So it'd be several months, but it was a fun game. And, uh... That's it. We we lost in the final round of combat. So let's get on to the next segment. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron. Well, this is Real Talk with Pentcron, and as you already know, we will be discussing the cringiest wargamer I ever did know. Now, this person was not like a bad person, this person was not necessarily a thief, this person was not necessarily some criminal with with negative intentions or anything like that, but this person was super cringy. Now, we've always wanted to know exactly what would the diagnosis be of this person, and maybe you can help us uh, parse that out, because this is a, a real topsy-turvy story of a friend we once had. This may come off as mean-spirited, um, and I guess it kinda is, although, like I said, I'm not gonna use their name or anything like that, but man, I personally love some cringe. I mean, I watch cringe compilations on YouTube or whatever, or E-Bombs World, they've got cringy posts people do that are out of touch with reality, and I just, I really enjoy cringe. 
So this guy is super cringy. And at first you're going to be like, well, some of this stuff is just odd. And other stuff is like, what was the purpose of that? So we used to have this friend. And I'm going to start with something pretty... This this does get pretty extreme, to be honest with you. So I'm going to start off with just some odds and ends that are kind of, you know, just odd instead of crazy. So the first thing. The first thing is this person was always lying, compulsively lying about everything. If your uncle flew a Huey in Vietnam, then his aunt flew a tank in Afghanistan. And yes, I said flew a tank. I mean, that's that's the type of thing that he would he would always do. And um, it wasn't necessarily one up, but it was like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I had a family member that did that, too. Right. And all of his stories were just, your B, your BS alarm would go off immediately. You're like, oh, this is not a real story. And <laughs> it's funny because he was very social, and people that didn't know him didn't expect him to be so odd. And it was pretty funny because I observe people a lot. I like to watch people, and I'm very uh, sensitive to, like, um, nonverbal feedback when I'm discussing something with someone or whatever. I can usually tell when I've worn out my welcome and I've talked too much and they're sick of hearing me, right? When they start zoning out. But this person did not have that ability. And what's interesting is, is we used to, after the, in the gaming club, we would have like a bunch of new people or whatever, right? And they would not know how he was. So he would start telling this crazy story about, um, I remember one, I'm not going to remember the whole story, but something to the effect of he went to this party and, by the way, he claimed he was an alcoholic at 14 years old. He, he claimed by 14 he was an alcoholic, which of course is possible, but he forgets that I knew him at 16 and he said he'd never drank before. So there there's a little bit there, but he used to claim he was an alcoholic at 14. And uh, <laughs> anyway, he'd say that He'd get a bunch of people around him at the gaming club, and I would immediately check out because I knew this story is going to be BS. But a lot of people would kind of take the bait, and he'd start telling them some crazy story about how him and his cousin were drunk when he was 14, and they went to some party, they crashed some party at this mansion, and then I forget exactly what he did... I think he was making out with someone's girlfriend or something over the top like that. And it come to find out the guy was a drug dealer. So then everybody, uh, the drug dealer gets everyone to turn on this person and his cousin. And they had to fist fight their way out of this party. And then the whole party chased them down the street. And, uh, you know, like, and then, like, the cops came and he was able to avoid the cops. And the cops got everyone that was chasing him and... Blah, blah. It was just some crazy, crazy story. And at the very end, uh, I remember that him and his cousin ended up at like some Denny's at three in the morning. And he made a very particular point to say that his shirt was ripped. He's like, yeah, and my shirt was ripped and you could just see my chest and all that. And my cousin was beat up too. And like my shirt was like all ripped and shredded and you could just like see my, my whole torso and, you know, the person that, the, the cashier lady that was checking us out, you know, and she's like, oh my god, your shirt is ripped. And I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even notice my shirt is all ripped. And you could see my chest. I mean, for some reason he was really harping on that. 
And the whole story was like, dude, 100%, I will take that did not happen for 500 Alex, because that's exactly like the Jeopardy thing. It's exactly how it was. And what's funny is, as this person was saying the story, I would look around the room and everyone at first is like, oh my God, really? You were 14? You crashed a party? That's crazy. And then a few minutes later, I look around and there's like one person has slowly started to just zone out and like look at the ceiling or they're still standing in a circle. And then a few minutes later, another person and you can see and feel the enthusiasm for the story as slowly their suspension of disbelief gets eroded as this person is telling the story. And it's so funny. Eventually, towards the end, everybody was like, huh. <laughs> like, they knew. They knew it was not right. They just knew it was not real by the end of it. And these are people that had just met him. You know, they didn't know him. So it was it was pretty funny. But one of the things he'd always do about stories, I don't know why this was a quirk of his. He finished a good 50% of any story he told you with, and I shit myself. Uh, dude, I have no idea why. I have no idea why. He'd be like, yeah, um, I had a girlfriend, which I knew he didn't. I had a girlfriend, and we got in a fist fight, you know, and uh, she kicked me out of her apartment, and when I, I was leaving, I fell down the stairs and I shit myself. Like, what? It's just, it's so far out of the realm of possibility. Uh, one time, he was at Shorehammer, and this was many, many, many years ago, because we're, what, our seventh year of Shorehammer, and they were doing like a polar bear plunge. They decided that a bunch of guys would get together and they would run into the water and jump into the ice cold water. And this is early December, so it's pretty cold. And he went and did that. And then when he came back in, he's like, oh, I just did the polar bear plunge with the guys, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, cool. And that, you know, that's already a semi-crazy story. Like, wow, you, you jumped in the cold water? That's actually kind of nuts because most people, like I wouldn't do it. Most people would not do that. So that's already cool. But it wasn't good enough for him. He said, and I, as soon as I hit the water, I shit myself. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah, I need to go. I need to go take a shower. I shit myself. I'm like, uh, come on, man. You gotta, you gotta tweak it just that much higher. It's gotta be that much higher. So, <laughs> I'm sorry if this sounds petty, and I do not hate this person. I don't even dislike this person. This person was just crazy, and I wanted to share it with you because it's been a long time coming. I figured, you know what? I'm going to wait to my four-year anniversary, and I had this thought like six months ago, and I was like, you know what? This is going to be a treat to actually codify all the craziness that was this person. So he really liked to end a story with he shit himself. I don't know why he did. Uh, he had told me another story where he was riding with his mom, and um, he had to go to the bathroom. So then he ran, she pulled over and he ran into a cemetery and then he was going to go take a crap behind this grave. But then there was a, a funeral getting set up. So then he's like, oh, like a movie. And then he'd run over to somewhere else and there was like a grieving widow and he go, oh, and he kept running around this whole cemetery trying to find a place to crap. And, and then he shit himself. I'm like, okay. All right, dude, that, that makes sense. So, we used to have Halloween parties and we used to have a friend named Bliggity Blam Steve and Steve at first liked this person, but this person quickly got on Steve's nerves. At one point we were doing zombie tag. We'd turn uh, zombie nerf is we'd turn out all the lights in the house. We'd turn the volume up real loud on like rock music. 
so you couldn't hear anything. And one person with a tiny little flashlight would have to, like, clear the whole house of zombies with the Nerf gun. It was super fun. But at some point, this person chased our friend Steve and knocked him down and laid on him. Laid on him, like, with his twig and berries between our friend Steve's butt cheeks. And, like, by the time we turn the lights on, like, are you guys okay? Steve is like, get off of me! I said get off of me! And this person is laying just flat limp on him. Just laying there. That was very, very awkward. <laughs> like, like very awkward. And eventually, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he slowly got up. And I'm like, most people, if you knock someone down, you probably aren't going to fall on them. And if you do, you're probably going to get up immediately. No, no, no. He laid there. And that was pretty odd. Trust me, this stuff gets weirder. So, back when my son, this is a long, long time ago, over a decade ago, back when my son was like one or two, probably two years old, this friend came over, and my son had never even seen him before, okay? And talk about getting creepy vibes, that he walks right in the door, and he looks at my son and goes, oh, hey, buddy, give me a hug, and puts his arms open. And and my son looked at him like, who is this guy? And then looked at me, and I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you don't have to give him a hug. Because it's freaking weird. You don't do that the very first time you ever meet someone's toddler or whatever, and you just immediately want a hug? Dude, I gotta tell you, if I am around someone's children, I stay a far distance from them. I would never want any sort of allegation that I touched anyone's kid or whatever. I will go well out of my way. I stay out of arm's length distance from other people's children. I just do. That's what, you know, I'm never in a room with someone's kid, you know, alone. I just, I don't do it. And for you to immediately walk in the house and ask for a hug, that's just, it's not criminal. It's just weird. And a lot of this stuff is just weird. So also at Shorehammer one year, they used to have a drinking game called Squarters and they would take my objective markers and you had to Something, it's like nickels, I think, or quarters that you do when you're drinking, but they had a special glass for it and all that, and they would play it and they would drink. Well, this person, I, I, so that someone came up to me, because I'm running the convention, obviously, and this was something they did on the side. This was not an official event, but they called it Squarters. And he was like, hey, can you please uh, get this person of yours away from us? Because he's being really, really annoying. He's had one sip of beer. And he's pretending like he's drunk. He's fallen out of the chair twice now. Like, he's he's legitimate, not, not pretend, like he's not playing around. He thinks that they think he really is drunk. And given his body mass and all that, he was absolutely not drunk. And he'd have one drink of his alcohol. So, um, that's something that you would do at 12 years old. Not something you do in your 20s. You know what I mean? So that was also pretty odd. Then he took a liking. This was another Shorehammer story. He took a liking to a player from one of our... There's many gaming clubs that come to Shorehammer. And he took a liking to one of their players. And they were... Um, I'll just call him Jared, is what I'll call this other person, so that I don't have to keep talking in third person to different people. So he really took a liking to this person I'll call Jared. And he wouldn't leave him alone. He followed him. Everywhere Jared went is where my friend would go. And he went to talk to him. And it's almost like he had a crush on him or something, which is like 
fine, except for that Jared person is, like, married and, you know, he's not even available or anything like that. And it got to the point where the Jared person ended up hiding from him. He had to, like, he'd, like, give him the slip and then go somewhere else so that he would stop being harassed by this person we knew. And that was kind of, like, really odd. It was getting to the point where it was creepy. And at one point, this Jared guy, he was hiding behind our admin desk, right? And he's like, oh, God, here comes your friend. And he, he ducks down. And my friend walks in the big ballroom, scans the entire room. This was like a, a, a boss in a movie, right? Or like when the zombie's near you. He scans the whole ballroom. And then when he doesn't see this Jared person, he walks back out. And, and Jared was like, he's looking for me. Like, he's actively looking for me. <laughs> so, somehow, and, and this person I'm calling Jared ne- never told my friend what unit number he was in the hotel, right? But somehow, my friend found out. And once again, just acting very clingy and very creepy to this Jared person. So... Him and a, Jared and a bunch of his friends had rented a unit, you know, a, a hotel room, and they were staying in the same hotel room. So our friend finds out where he's staying. I don't know how, because Jared said that he never told him, and all of his friends knew better to, than to tell them, tell my friend where they were staying. And uh, so he knocks on the, on Jared and company's door, and he's like, "Oh, is uh, is that Jared person there?" And they're like, uh, yeah, he's in the shower. But they wouldn't let him in. He's like, well, can I come in? They're like, no, you can't come in. And we're, like, we're getting ready for bed or whatever. And he goes, oh, well, you know what would be really funny? Wait, 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 wait. Let me in, and I'm going to go in there and tackle Jared in the shower. That'd be hilarious. And Jared's friend goes, what? He's like, no, you're not doing that. And our friend is like, oh, come on, come on, man. And... Th- Jared's friend was like, no, you're not doing that, and shut the door in his face. Once again, very weird, weird behavior. So, there was another time that we went to, we had a friend named Angela, and we went to uh, New Year's Eve, we used to stay up all night when we were younger, this was more than a decade ago. Um, We would stay up all night and watch the sunrise in the inlet um, in Ocean City, which is nearby, and all that. Well, we stopped at a gas station, and when we came back inside, uh, got got back in my car to go to the inlet to watch the sunrise. Uh, Angela's looking in her purse, and she's like, "Uh, I've got a Snickers in my purse." And we're like, "Okay." And she's like, "Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't buy a Snickers." She's like, "Did I accidentally steal the Snickers? I don't remember even grabbing the Snickers." And we're like, "I don't know. Maybe it was already there." And she's like, no, no, it was not, because it's right on top. Like, uh, I did not buy a Snickers. And we were all sitting there, and we're like, I have no idea. And she's like, well, maybe I should go in and return it, because I didn't buy it. And I'm like, well, okay, I guess. That's weird. So my friend let us sit there for like two or three minutes and discuss, where did that Snickers come from? Before he finally goes, ah, I got you the Snickers. (laughs) She's like, you you bought me a Snickers? And he's like, yeah. She's like, okay, and you shoved it in my purse? He's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, that's weird. Uh, Thank you, but 
that's weird. He's like, yeah, I just, I just got you a little something. Like, who the hell does that? You know, a purse is someone's private property, right? It's like, who does that? Who buys a, a Snickers and doesn't hand it to you? Well, number one, who buys a Snickers unwarranted, number one. But number two, who buys a Snickers and just hides it in your purse and then lets everybody ask? I mean, there's only four of us there in the car, and he was one of them. <laughs> and we're like, who just lets you sit there and ponder where she got this Snickers? Like, freaking weird. Another weird thing about our friend is that he always wanted to do things for free. He wanted you to pay for the things, and then he is going to do something wacky or, or something like that. So we used to go to MAGFest, which is Music and Gaming Festival. And we never wanted to go with him because he was very, very annoying, right? And we all pitched in for the hotel, and we all pitched in for the tickets and all that. It was split four ways or however many people were going. And every year he'd ask, oh, I should go next year. And I'm like, uh, sure. And meanwhile, there was four of us in the hotel room, and there's only two beds anyway. We'd double up beds. So really having a fifth person wouldn't work anyway. But... He would always say, oh, well, I'm not going to, I don't really want to pay for a hotel room. I just want to go with you. And you know what? I'll sleep in the tub. Uh, I I always, every time I go on conventions anyway, I just sleep in the tub. And we're like, what? You sleep in the, a a tub used by a countless number of people? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's hilarious. I sleep in the tub. We're like, "Uh, no, you're not, number one. Number two... If you were to go, you would pay your way. Like, why should we pay for the room and you just come for free? Like, that's that's not how it works. So keep it in the theme of wanting things for free. We had uh, our friend Bliggity Blam Steve. He would meticulously, even if he did not assemble the models, he would meticulously clip them off the sprue and he would sort them in bins of, like, left arm uh, Croxagore. Right arm, Croxagore. Head, Croxagore. Torso, Croxagore. And he had bins upon bins upon bins of, I mean, thousands of bits, right? And this friend of ours, he really liked the kit bash and things like that. So he was like, oh, hey, uh, can I look through your bits bin and have some bits? Which, number one, I would never assume someone would just let me have some bits. But this person assumed it. So Steve was like, oh, sure. I mean, you can, as long as you take a couple things... So, after this friend rifled through all of Steve's bit boxes, then afterwards, like a week or so later, Steve happened to be looking in the bit boxes, and he's like, Pimpcron, uh, I'm missing all of my special weapons. Like, all of my melt-a-guns, all of my power fists, and I'm missing all of my heads for this one race, and I'm missing... I mean, I'm not, I'm not lying to you. This friend took entire compartments of bits not not one little thing here not one little thing there no 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 entire compartments of bits for free and did not offer to buy them did not offer any just took them and so obviously that was pretty much one of the last times that steve did anything with this friend because also this friend got steve's phone number and would call him about i don't know every half hour during work days when steve is at work Steve can't just answer his phone at any time during a workday. And eventually, Steve would just block him. Because he's like, dude, you don't have a job, but I do. I can't keep talking to you throughout the day. So that's just another little weird tidbit. tidbit. Another thing with this person, Steve, is that he accidentally, supposedly accidentally, stole Steve's mail. (laughs) 
<laughs> so apparently we went over, this is a, once again, more than a decade ago. This friend and I went over to Steve's house to play Warhammer. Well, this friend helped me pack up all the stuff and Steve had gone to get the mail and he put it next to my army transport. Well, it's obviously envelopes and it obviously says Steve's name and has his address. And, it, and one of them I remember was a Netflix bill back when you used to actually send the DVDs in the mail and all that. And this friend helped me pack up my stuff. And when I got home, I had a stat, the entire stack of Steve's mail in my army transport. That's just really odd. It's not like technically criminal and maybe he didn't even mean to do it, but it's very, very odd. So then I had to like give Steve back his mail because it was bills and stuff and stuff. Like just like you would definitely see that it's a stack of mail. It's not miniatures. It's not a codex, but that was in my army transport. So that was odd. Then there was the time that this friend told me that he used to be a correctional officer, and this was just out of the blue, and he forgot how long I had known him. I had known him for at least 10 years at that point. I mean, I'd known him for a very, very long time, and I knew him since he was 16. And he told me, out of the blue, that he was a security, I mean, um, a prison guard at one point, and which I knew he had never been a prison guard, but he said he was a prison guard at one point and he got stabbed by an inmate when they found out his nationality. And I'm like, I call bullshit on that. And he got all mad. He's like, well, it was true. I got stabbed. I got shanked because I was this, this ethnicity. And his ethnicity is, without being too specific, is one of those ethnicities that like, let's for, let's for instance, say... If you were Russian or German or American and you were white-skinned, I mean, all those Caucasians kind of look the same, right? There's no way looking at him. Like, my, my family comes from Europe, right? From England and whatnot. You can't look at me and go, oh, he's, he's English. Like, you, you can't do that because they all of the European people kind of look the same if they're, if they're the same skin color. So... Anyway, uh, so he had a particular ethnicity that he was only half, by the way. He was only half this ethnicity. And it was a very vague kind of like you couldn't tell just by looking at him. And he said the inmates found out that he was that ethnicity and he got shanked for it. Now, meanwhile, I had known him for over a decade and I knew he had never worked at a prison and I certainly knew he did not get shanked. But... He claimed he did. And I was like, dude, I, I just don't believe you. I, that's That did not happen. And he got all mad when I called him out. Another thing he would love to do is claim he was losing weight. He was on the heavier side. And every time I spoke to him, he's like, oh, yeah, lost 10 more pounds. I'm like, oh, really? Congratulations. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to eat good. And then next time I saw him, he's eating burgers and fries and he's lost no weight whatsoever. And then next time I talked to him, I'm like, oh, yeah, lost 20 more pounds. And I'm thinking... Mm, did you? And the next time I saw him, he looked no thinner. And by the time that it went a couple weeks, he had claimed he'd lost like a hundred pounds if you were to add it all up. And he was the same exact size he was before. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, I guess he kept saying it so that I would be like, oh, good job, you know, congratulations or whatever. Uh, dude, I don't know. But if all of this sounds a little petty, hold on. There's two more things that are just, uh, hopefully I'm painting this picture of just a very peculiar person, right? 
So these two things, one of them actually ended our friendship. And the other one, gosh, probably should have ended our friendship. (laughs) So I don't know if maybe he was gay or something like that. Like he always kind of acted weird and he, he always made jokes as if he were gay, which of course none of us would have cared, but he claimed vehemently that he was not gay, but he, he acted like he was, uh, you know, like, so we were always like, whatever, I don't care what you, what you are regardless, but it was almost like he was in denial almost. And this one time I had a very strange scenario with him. And so I was coming to help him move. He knew I was coming to help him move. He knew what time I was coming to help him move. And he knew that, uh, I was like five miles away because I had stopped at Taco Bell and I called him. I'm like, Hey, do you want anything from Taco Bell? And he's like, Oh no, I'm good. And he knew what Taco Bell I was at. Okay. So he should have been well prepared. I was five miles away. He should have been well prepared for me showing up. So I show up to his apartment and I brought my truck so he can, I can help him move or whatever. And I knock 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 and I knock. And then finally, he answers the door in nothing but a towel. And remember, he's a he's a pretty large guy. So the 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 normal size towel on him is not going all the way around him. You understand? And I'm not making fun of that. I'm just explaining to you what it looked like. And I was like, uh, okay. I'm like, did you just take a shower? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I just took a shower. I'm like, okay. And I didn't realize until afterwards. His hair wasn't even wet. He was not wet, but he had just supposedly taken a shower. Just keep that in mind. And he's like, oh, oh, I, I, um, I just took a shower. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, yeah, you call, you, you caught me in the middle of taking a shit. And once again, I'm like, what is with you and the jokes about poop? Like, what is the deal with this? So I walk in and he's, you know, he's going to go back to the bathroom or whatever. So I go in the kitchen and I'm just waiting for him to get dressed. Well, he follows me in the kitchen and he still has just a towel on that he's struggling to keep closed. And he's like, uh, so what's going on? And he leans against the counter. I'm like, uh, dude, you need to get dressed because I don't, I don't need to see you naked. Go get dressed. We can't move any furniture with you naked. So go get dressed. He's like, oh, I'm just making conversation. He's like, oh, do you need a drink? Do you need a, you know, I'll get you some ice and a glass. And I'm holding a cup from Taco Bell with ice and a straw. And I'm like, no, dude, uh, go get dressed. I have a drink. Thank you. But I'm starting to get frustrated now because this dude is standing there almost naked in front of me and it's getting very awkward. And I keep telling him, dude, go get dressed. So then he's like, and this is once again with the poop. I don't, I don't understand. He's like, he had just offered to put ice in my glass with his hand, right? And when I go, no, I already have a drink, go get dressed. He goes, okay, good, because I was just in the middle of taking shit, and I haven't wiped my ass anyway. I'm like, what? What? So what he's telling me now is that not only is he naked, and not only was he taking a poop on the toilet, but he did not wipe himself, and now he wants to take his hand and put ice in my glass? Like, it just, it was weirding me out. So finally I said, dude, I'm going to leave right now if you don't get dressed. And he goes, okay, 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 I'll go get dressed. 
So, by the way, he never wipes himself. I just, I just want to throw that out there. Because he goes straight to the bedroom, and I'm eating my Taco Bell, and he comes back out, and he starts talking to me again. Well, my back is to him, and I'm not looking at him. So, <laughs> I hope you guys are enjoying this, because this is, uh, th- these are just crazy, crazy times. So, uh, so he comes in and starts talking to me. I'm like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm talking back to him, but I'm not looking at him. And finally he comes around in my field of vision and he is only in the smallest pair of boxer shorts I have ever seen a human being wear. And I already told you he's on the large side. So he's got no shirt, no socks, no pants. He is in a very, very small set of boxers. And at that point, I got real mad. And I'm like, dude, go effing get dressed, or I am not helping you, and I'm going to leave. And like, oh, it's fine. I'm getting a shirt on. Meanwhile, he didn't have a shirt in his hands. I'm getting a shirt on. He got all mad. I'm like, I was getting some very creepy vibes from this guy. Whatever. I have no idea. I have no idea. I can only speculate what on earth was going through his mind when I was on time and had just told him I was five miles away and he knew what time I was supposed to be there and he should have been ready. What was going through his mind? I have no idea. So it wasn't until much later I was retelling that story to my wife in exasperation and I realized, wait, his hair wasn't even wet. He wasn't wet. So he gets naked to take a poop? Or I have no idea. I I have no idea. So... The final straw of our friendship is actually when he stopped hanging out with all of us and completely excommunicated himself. And meanwhile, we had put up with a lot over the years. I mean, a lot. And, uh, but like I said, he was never a bad person. He wasn't violent. I don't, minus Steve's bits, I don't really think he would have stolen from you necessarily. Like, he was actually an okay guy. But, and he obviously, like I said, he was a war gamer. We played Warhammer and all that stuff. We played Malifaux and, and Firestorm Armada and a bunch of stuff. So, it's just freaking weird. So, the final nail in the coffin was he came over one day for Dungeons and & Dragons. And he comes in, uh, he comes early, and he meets my wife at the door. And he is actively closing one eye... And sticking half of his his uh, lip down. In other words, he's trying to fake that he had a stroke. And this is not a joke. He was trying to fake he had a stroke. Well, my wife is quite knowledgeable about strokes. I won't go into why, but she is she knows a stroke if she saw one. She's you know educated in that. And he comes up to the door. And she's like, uh, what's going on with your face there? And she already knew that he's full of shit, right? And he goes, oh, oh, uh, don't tell Scott, but, uh, I had a stroke. Now, he's coming here to see me and play D&D. But he says, don't tell me that he had a stroke? But meanwhile, he's obviously putting it on. You realize to close your eye is actually a contraction of the muscles and not a release of the muscles, right? And when you have a stroke, like a a Bell palsy or whatever, you have like a a loosening of your muscles, not a squinting of your eye. So I just want to throw that out there, okay? And 
so I show up because I was elsewhere. I show up and me and just James, both of us, it was me, just James and, and, uh, this person and me and just James both see him doing that. And we never asked, we played an entire session of D and D and we never once asked him why he was pretending to have had a stroke. And in its own way is kind of funny because <laughs> because he had to put on this act the entire time. But then what's even funnier is that during D&D, he would get excited about something and miraculously he was healed temporarily and his face, he'd quit squinting and quit drooping his lip and when he was role playing or whatever. And then when he caught himself, you know, like... Um, he's no longer faking it. He catches himself. Then he'd smack his eye and go, oh, oh, and, and like, oh, here it comes again or something like that. And oh my God, it was so cringy. And me and James are just looking at each other whenever he wasn't looking and we're shaking our head like, dude, <laughs> don't say a word. He wants us so desperately to ask him what happened. And neither one of us ever asked. So the next time we go to the game store, uh, we, um, we walk in and he's got an eye patch. Yes, sir. He's got an eye patch and I guess he got tired of pretending to, you know, clo- like forcibly closing his eyes to try to simulate horribly that he had a stroke. And we walk in and he's like, the store owner, JD, he does not take any shit off anybody. I mean, he, he will tell you like it is, right? And he already knew this person very well. He knew this person was a compulsive liar. And he goes, uh, so what's going on with your eye? And this person goes, oh, oh, I had a stroke. And JD goes, no, you didn't. And I almost spit out my coffee. Like, I, I was like, oh my god, he just roasted him. And, and this person was like, oh yeah, yeah, I did. He got all mad. I did, I did have a stroke. You don't have to believe me, but I had a stroke. And he lifts his eye patch, and there's his eye squinted, which obviously a stroke would not do. Whatever. So we thought, you know what? We're just going to keep ignoring him. We're just not going to ask about it. I never did ask about it. And he wore that eye patch for like two weeks. And finally, because we thought he would get bored and he'd quit doing it. And finally, me and just James and really the whole club kind of got together in communication. And we're like, listen, we got to say something to this guy. Like faking a, a, a medical illness is like a whole new level of like Munchausen syndrome. Like is a whole new level of crazy. So we need to like just gently confront him about this. So we, uh, I was the leader of the group. And also I was one of, one of his best friends. I mean, not best friend, but one of his, we, we were not best friends. I should say we were not best friends, but I was one of his best friends. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So I called him and I was like, look, dude, um, I don't think you really had a stroke and uh, you really like shouldn't be pretending to have had a medical illness. Like this is, this is a bridge too far. We've, and I had confronted him before about constantly lying and he pretty much admitted that he did in the past. And I was like, look, we've already discussed this whole lying situation before. 
And, uh, you know, we really, this is not cool. Like, people that have real strokes, like, that's a serious thing. And you're just doing it for attention. And I was nothing but compassionate. And I was nothing but to the point and, and very formal and professional with it, right? And he blew up and cussed and all that. So then he ended up hanging up on me. And then he called the store owner, JD, and he's like, Scott's being an ass, blah, blah, blah. He doesn't believe I even had a stroke. And JD's like, yeah, because you didn't. <laughs> oh, my God. So anyway, he um he, he ended up just completely, he blocked me on Facebook and he blocked everybody in the club on Facebook. And then we have never really seen him. He came in the store like one time a year ago or a couple years ago. And uh, that was it. He had like a new friend he was with or whatever. And honestly, the thing is, like I said, he was never a bad person, but you can only put up with compulsive lines so long before you're like, dude, this is too much. You can't, you can't go around doing this. So that is the story of the cringiest wargamer I have ever known in my entire life. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. And you know, what's even sadder is I guarantee you there are stories that even I have forgotten because we had such a wealth of stories as a community involving him. But what do you do? So at the end of the story, I just wanted to let you know, I shit myself. All right. Well, <laughs> we're sponsored by GameMat.eu and uh, Panhandle3D. So go check them out, Panhandle3D.com. And um, gamemat.eu and go check them out. That's uh, Podcast 10 for Panhandle 3D and that's Event 10 for gamemat.eu. And also, how could I ever forget my fantastic Patreon patrons? I love you all. I will have your smooches in the mail. They will be mailed out this Monday and uh, you'll, you will be getting your smooches. So I will see you next week, and thank you for keeping this podcast on the air for four whole years. That is fantastic.